Needed to uh, make that bumper just a little bit longer for this morning. Here we go again. Trying to rearrange something. All right, so we're continuing in our series titled Shocking Claims of Jesus. And last week we saw Jesus claim that he could heal, and we saw that over and over he did in fact heal. He, he feel he can heal us physically, uh, and we saw that the most miraculous healing that any one of us could ever have in our entire life is being healed from the sin that is in our life. Salvation is the greatest, most miraculous, life-changing thing that would ever happen to any of us. And, and I hope that we're all praying for that friend or that neighbor who, who doesn't know Jesus. And, and we're looking for that opportunity to share the good news of the gospel, that great news. What this, this life-giving thing and peace-giving thing and hope-giving thing that we've experienced ourselves in our own life. Reconciliation with our sovereign God and creator. Really, does it, does it get any better than that? Uh, the first will be last, Jesus claimed. I am the son of God, he claimed. I can do anything and I will rise from the dead. All pretty shocking claims if you were in the first century and you were hearing those things for the first time. All found in the book of Mark. And, and we are, we're going through the book of Mark. We have Bible studies that are going through the book of Mark. And I... I I meant to do this last week, but I took it out because I thought we could wait a week, uh, and I needed to save a little bit of time last week. I want to give you just a little bit of background on the Gospel of Mark. Who, who was Mark? Um, now, the, the Gospel of Mark doesn't offer a lot of opinion, a lot of uh, explanation of a lot of things that Jesus did, uh, unlike the other Gospels, Matthew, Luke, and John. Uh, Mark mostly just shares accounts about Jesus' life. He shares... Um, uh, the words that Jesus said, his actions. And if you've never read the Bible before or you've read very little, the book of Mark is a great place to start. Just read a chapter a day. Read, read, a, read an account a day. What did Jesus do this day? And begin reading the word of God and seeing how it can speak to you. Or, or maybe mark your connect card this morning and say, hey, I want to study the book of Mark. I want to go through it with a leader. I, I'd like to be a, a part of a small group. We have several small groups that meet during the week. We have some that meet after church on Sunday mornings. We have one that meets Sunday afternoon. Uh, if any of those times, there's one on a Tuesday night, there's one on a Wednesday night, uh, and, and you think you could, there's, we'd love to get you into a Bible study so you can go through the entire book of Mark with us. Now, the book of Mark is an oral history of Jesus that was written down, okay? And Mark, Mark wrote this down. The earliest source that gives an answer uh, as to who was Mark comes from a man by the name of, from, his name was Papias. He was bishop of Hierapolis until 130 AD, okay? Long, long time ago. He said that Mark had been a secretary and translator for Peter, Peter was one of the 12 disciples, and Mark was a translator and a secretary for Peter. He wrote down accurately all that Peter remembered. Now, this is very important since there's evidence that Papias himself was a person, he was actually a personal friend with John, one of Jesus' other disciples. So you have a man who was a personal friend with one of the disciples who had been, I'm assuming, told by John 
who Mark was and his relationship with Peter. Now, Mark mentions that Peter proportionally, more than any other gospel, uh, Mark mentions Peter. Mark mentions Peter more than any other gospel proportionally. So the number of words, he, he talks about Peter a lot. In fact, one commentator I read said that as you read through the book of Mark, make note that nothing happens in the book of Mark that's told about where Peter wasn't present. I haven't researched that myself. I'm trusting the commentator to say that. So the gospel of Mark is an eyewitness account of Jesus' life and an account that we can base our life on. We can base our life on the truth of Mark. Just like all of the other Bible, it is God-breathed and testimony, eyewitness testimony of what God did, who Jesus was, what Jesus did. Now, Mark tells this history breathlessly. I mean, if you start reading the the book of Mark, you see him use words like immediately and and right away, uh, just one situation to the next. It's not dry reading. It's not, it's not boring, which I, you know, maybe some of those long lists, you know, you might say kind of, you know, bring the yawns out a little bit, but the rest of the Bible, no way. Especially, no, I saw that yawn over there. Especially, actually, I saw the, this from your wife, and then I noticed the end of the yawn. I'm not going to look over here to give away who it was. (laughs) Too late. So this thing that we're going to talk about today, uh, you've seen it. Follow me. Jesus said, follow me. And I think all of us would say, "Ah, that's not really that shocking, Pastor Dave. You know, follow me. Uh, What? Why is that shocking? But I think you're going to see as we dig into this that it is, in fact, a shocking thing that Jesus said. Now, At the top of your note sheet, you have the main point of today's message. And the main point of today's message is this right here. You have no idea what hangs in the balance of a single decision. You have no idea what hangs in the balance of a single decision. Think about decisions that you've made in the past. Seemingly simple, maybe even easy decisions that turned out to impact your life like no other decision that you have ever made. Maybe it was uh, a decision to move to a different town. Maybe it was a career choice that you made. It was a decision that you made. Seems simple. Maybe it was a course of study. Maybe it was the change to a different course of study, which often happens to college students. Maybe it was a decision to get more serious or to break off a relationship, a simple conversation with a stranger. In 1987, last century, for those of you who are young, I attended a conference in Urbana, Illinois called Urbana 1987, and it's a missions conference that was put on by InterVarsity Christian Fellowship. Um, Students, people, uh, mission agencies and organizations were there from all over the world. There were, there were greater than 10,000 students there, kind of there. It was, it was just before Christmas. It was the week before Christmas. And we always ended with a, a communion service at midnight, kind of bringing in the new year. And uh, they, there were incredible speakers. I mean, there were some amazing, powerful speakers there the year that I was there. And, and all during the week, I kept hearing... Uh, Not audibly, but I just felt the Holy Spirit saying, David, you need to go on a mission trip. You need to go on a mission trip. You need to go on a mission trip. And and what I was getting a sense was that I was supposed to go on this mission trip that summer. 
And, and let me tell you what, my heart and passion as a college student, uh, e- even, even a little bit today, my heart and passion was farming. I couldn't wait to the end of school so I could go home and jump in a tractor or, or jump on a swath or, or, or whatever it was that dad was going to have me do that day. That is what I wanted to do with my life, and I did it every opportunity. I still do it every opportunity I get. Hey, you want to drive a tractor? When do you want me there? But I had to give up a summer of that if I was going to go on this mission trip and be obedient to God. And I wrestled and I wrestled. And we had a prayer group that met at 10 o'clock every night. And we were from all over the world. And, and we would each pray for each other. And we would share what, what the Spirit was doing with us. And we had a speaker who was teaching through the book of Jonah. And the, the entire theme of, of Urbana 87 was, should I not be concerned for that great city? Which is what God cho- to- told Jonah. And, and so, long story short, I finally gave in to God's call on my life, and I said, okay, I will go. I will give up a summer of farming. And I ended up in the middle of Mexico City, a big city for the summer. And, and I can't tell, I, I, I think I could tell you that I'm here, I'm here this morning because of that single decision that I made to go on that mission trip, to give up something that I loved, something that I really wanted to do the rest of my life. And, uh, and God worked on that in my heart. Now, we have chil- some children with us here this morning. If you're in this room and you're a child, I want you to come up here. Come up here to the front. Come on, don't be shy. Come up here. I mean, under the fifth grade or something like that. Some are coming from the balcony. See, I was expecting to have lots and lots. Okay, come up here and sit right here. Sit right here on the floor, right in front of me. Face me. You're not sitting. (laughs) Nice shirt. Did you watch the game last night? Shut it off after the first quarter, didn't you? (laughs) Should have watched the whole thing. All right, I think there's a couple more coming from the balcony. Oh, one more brave soul. Okay. Did they skip out and go to the bathroom or are they coming down here? There's, there's two, three, three more coming. And a mom. No, no, you can come too, Jessica. Come on, come on, come on. You guys come up here. All right, come over here and just sit, sit right here. Okay, sit down right there on the floor. No, on the floor. Yeah. No, on the floor. Okay. All right, now I want you guys all to stand up. Not as long as it would take me. Okay, now I want you to put your left foot out. And I want you to shake it all about. Okay, stop. Okay, I want you to turn around and look at those people. I want you to do one jumping jack. Okay. Now, I want you to follow me. Come on. Come on. Come on. Keep up. Keep up. We're going on the roundabout. Oh, everybody stop. Good job. Okay, come on up here. 
Okay, sit down. On the floor in front of me. Come on, Jessica. You can sit in a chair this time. You're probably all wondering why I've called this meeting here this morning. Okay, everybody stand up. I saw that eye roll, but you did it anyway. Okay, now go sit with your parents. Thank you. That's all I, that's all I need. Everybody give them a hand. Now, I need everybody to turn to Mark chapter 1, please. Mark chapter 1, verses 16 through 20. This is our passage for this morning. Mark chapter 1, 16 through 20. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. When he had gone a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. Now, let's think about this whole situation. We've got brothers working in the family business. They probably at one time wanted to be disciples of a rabbi, but maybe didn't get picked, so they're back home with their family in the family business. We need to think about this family business. They got responsibilities. I'm sure dad is thinking, yeah, one day they're gonna take over the family business and they're gonna be successful fishermen like, like I have been. It was a good business. In fact, it was, they were, a, we can make the, draw the conclusion that they were maybe a well-off family. It was a good business. They had a boat. You know, we're, we're not told this, but we can assume that, that Simon Peter and his brother, they were standing on the side of the lake casting their net in trying to fish. No, John and James, they had a boat. Not only that, uh, but they had hired men, which is another sign in that culture of that day, that their family was well off. They had hired men working on this fishing boat. Now, if my son saw a long-haired man in a robe with, with sandals walking by the family business, and that man said, hey, come follow me, and my son said, okay, see you, Dad, I'm out of here, I might call the cops. I mean, what, that, does that not seem shocking to you? I mean, we've heard this story, this account, so many times that we think that it was, it, it was Jesus. Of course, of course they went with him, but they didn't know Jesus was the Son of God yet at this point, I don't think. Here you have this rabbi who comes along and he says, hey, come follow me, and they did exactly that. Jesus is fresh on the scene, and they followed him. They don't have the information that we have in the Gospels. They don't have the history that we have. They don't have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. We do. And, and it's also shocking to me that Jesus, a rabbi, would invite these guys to come be a part of his, his team. I mean, he's, 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 he's putting together this church planting team, and you would think that maybe he might pick some, some more religious guys, some guys that maybe had some titles behind their name so that they might be successful with this. It is shocking that James and John said yes, and they didn't just say yes, they dropped everything 
Not just their nets, not just the stuff that they had in their hands, their family, their family business, their future. They walked away from it all to follow Jesus. When Jesus said, come follow me. That is shocking to me. Now, James and John had no idea what that one decision was going to do in their life for the rest of their lives, did they? They were just being obedient to the call of Jesus, and they went. James and John went on to be witnesses of not only the crucifixion, but the resurrection. John was referred to as the disciple whom Jesus loved. As Jesus was hanging on the cross, he singled out John and he asked him to take care of his mother. John went on to write the gospel of John, recording details of Jesus' life. And in that gospel, he wrote this, John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. If John doesn't say yes to Jesus' call, that doesn't happen. Jesus is the one who said those words. John wrote them down. And then John also would write four other books, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, and the book of Revelation, because he said yes to God that one day. You never know how much is hanging in the balance on one decision. When John was exiled on the island of Patmos, God gave him a special revelation of of what heaven was going to be like, what the end of the world was going to be like. It's a good thing John didn't stay in the boat with his dad, isn't it? It's a good thing that he said yes. You see, we have no idea what hangs in the balance of a single decision. Ben Malcolmson, here's a picture of him. He was the right-hand man to Seattle Seahawks head coach Pete Carroll for 14 seasons. He played football in college for the University of Southern California. And when he was in college, he wanted to reach his football team for Jesus. So the first thing that he did was he held a Bible study and invited all of, the, of, the, of his teammates and nobody showed up. So then he thought, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lead a prayer group. And he, he scheduled a prayer group and he invited the entire team and nobody showed up. So then he gets this brilliant idea. He said, you know what? I'm going to put a Bible in every one of the lockers of all my teammates at USC. And he did that. He put a Bible in the locker of every one of his teammates at USC. And, and, and the next day when he walked into the locker room, I'm sure he had visions of maybe a choir singing and, and you know, spiritual music playing in, on, the, on the radio and, and guys kneeling by their lockers and, and holding hands and praying and giving their life to Jesus. But that's not what he saw. What he did see was guys tearing pages out of these Bibles and throwing them on the floor and wondering who in the world put this garbage in my locker, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And in that moment, he felt pretty foolish. Then years later, he runs into one of his former teammates of that team at USC, and his teammate said, hey, do you remember that day you put all those Bibles in everybody's locker? And and Malcolm was trying to forget it. He's like, yeah, he... I do remember that. And his teammate went on to tell him that there was one of, their, one of those teammates who knew nothing about Jesus and the Bible, and he said, he came to me that day in the locker room, and he said, what's this? 
And, and the guy said, well, I, you know, he, he knew that I had been to church all my life. And so I explained to him, he said, I, I explained to him who Jesus was and, and what a difference Jesus can make in a person's life. And, and this player said, and he prayed right there in front of his locker to receive Jesus Christ as his Savior. And, and then he said, several years later, that teammate tragically died. But I wanted you to know that it was because of that Bible that that teammate is in heaven today. Because he trusted Christ as his, as his Savior. And he said, you know what? Because of that Bible and because of sharing Christ with that, that guy and him receiving it, it re-energized my faith. You see, I wasn't living the way that I should. And he said, from that moment on, I said, yes, I said yes to God, and I began to live my life for him, and I never looked back. See, he thought what he had done in his life, that single decision to take a step that he didn't know how it was going to turn out, was a failure, and it, in fact, was not. He had no idea how the decision, I had no idea how the decision to go to Mexico City was going to affect the rest of my life. It, it completely changed the trajectory of where I thought I was headed. That and, and, and a few other inputs by God, closed doors to the teaching profession, a few other things that he put in my way where I still had to say yes to some pretty uncomfortable things for this, you know, wet behind the ears farm boy from Albin. Coming here was one of the hardest decisions I've made, ever made in my life. Uh, in fact, when I said yes to that decision, or when I made up my, in my mind that I was going to say yes to that decision, I was going to call one of their elders here and say, yes, I'll come as your youth pastor. I felt terrible about the decision. I'm like, I just got this anxiety. I don't really feel good about it. So I'm like, okay, then the answer is going to be no. And I felt worse. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, this, this anxiety that I have is the fact that I'm moving away from my home the place where I thought I was going to live the rest of my life, to another place where I'm going to be single until I leave there, trust me. <laughs> we know that didn't happen. You see, John and James had no idea how much life would change for them when they dropped everything and they, they followed Jesus. I had no idea how much that one decision to go to Mexico City would change my life. And you, you have no idea what hangs in the balance of a single decision. We have no idea what God might do in our life or the lives of others when we take one step forward in obedience to what he's calling us to do. And, and, and he's calling us to follow him with childlike faith. You see, saying yes is easy. I don't care what the enemy wants to tell you. Obedience is easy. You saw it illustrated right here this morning. Those kids did everything I asked. They didn't ask for a reason. You know, I got one eye roll out of the whole bunch, okay, on, on the last one where I told them to stand up again. Because sometimes when God tells us to do something, we're like, that just doesn't make sense. Why are you having me do this? But, but God's not asking us to make sense of it. He doesn't have to make sense because he's God and he can be completely trusted. I am thankful that all of those kids sat, that were sitting here this morning trusted me so that my illustration could prove true. <laughs> Obedience is easy. 
It's easy, especially when you put your trust in Almighty God who's calling those shots. I, I want us all, I want all of us to answer two questions this morning, and these come directly from the passage. Maybe you can talk about them with your husband or wife or your kids on your way home this morning, and it doesn't matter if you're a believer or not. The, the questions apply to us. It doesn't matter. And these two questions will help you take steps toward Jesus. And, and when we take a step, we never know what God might do. The first question is this. What do you need to leave behind? What do you need to leave behind? James and John had to leave behind everything. Their dad, Zebedee, had to let them go. But, but I'm sure he was thinking, but I thought you would take over the family business. I thought you'd do what I did. I, I wanted you to go to the college that I went to. And this is good for us parents to hear, right? Because we have these ideas of things that our kids should do. But shouldn't the greatest thing that our kids do is follow Jesus Christ faithfully the rest of their life, no matter what it is they're doing, no matter where they go to college? We need to encourage them in that. Jesus said things like, if you follow me, you will have to take up your cross. Later in life, James was executed and John was exiled. Both of them had to leave things behind. Both of them experienced hard things in their life, but they got so many blessings. They walked with Jesus Both had to leave something behind. Greg Laurie, a pastor, tells a story about a drug dealer. He was doing a revival, and this drug dealer came forward to surrender his life to Jesus Christ. And this drug dealer was meeting with a counselor at the front, and he pulls out a pager, and he hands it to the counselor. Now, for those of you young kids, a, a pager is the thing. It looks kind of like a cell phone. Well, a flip phone more. And, and it has a little readout on the top. And, and we used to carry these things. And when somebody wanted to talk to you, they would call the pager number and they would leave their number. And that number would come up on the pager. And then you would go to a pay phone. And a pay phone is... <laughs> this drug dealer gives the counselor his pager. And the counselor's like, what, the, what is this for? And he's like... You, you have to take this because I'm, I'm walking away and this is how the people that I deliver drugs to contact me and I'm done. And he walked away from his life being a drug dealer. A couple weeks later, that counselor calls him on the phone and says, hey, I'm just, just wanting to check, check up on you, wondering how you're doing, what are you up to? And he says, well, I'm out, doing, I'm out cutting grass, is, is, was his response. And the counselor's like, oh, so you're you're, you're what, doing some yard work? And he's, no, I'm mowing down my marijuana plants. That's a man who was making a clean break. That's a man who said yes and didn't look back. And, and I wonder if there's anyone here today who needs to make a clean break from their past. Maybe you have one foot in the world and, and, and one foot in eternity, and you're trying to sort of live both at the same time. What are those things in your life, decisions that you're making, habits that you have, that you need to let go? You need to walk away. Maybe it's an old girlfriend or a boyfriend who is toxic. Maybe it's a bad habit. 
Maybe this person, you have somebody in your life who is, who is not encouraging you to follow Jesus faithfully. They're trying to create questions in your mind. They're not supporting the truth that you know to be true. Maybe you need to leave behind the dreams you've had for the future because God has something different for you. Maybe, uh, you know, all these things in... It, all these things in mind, but, but they, they, you have all of these dreams in mind, but they just don't seem to be happening. Maybe it's because God is not wanting to give you your dreams. He wants you to dream his dreams. He wants you to leave your dreams behind and say yes to what he has for you. Maybe God has got something better for you than what you think you should do. A pastor of a church in Minnesota said this, Hold tight to God and loose to everything else. Hold tight to God and loose to everything else. God, I want to hold on to you. I, I want to trust you because you've proven yourself to be trustworthy. Help me to trust your word. Help me to hold tight to you. Help me to anchor to the rock that is you. And God, everything else, everything else, help me to just open my hand and, and let that go. It's really hard in a world that says you can have what you want. You can be whatever you want. You can do what you want. We need to live life with an open hand. Philippians 3, 13 and 14 says, Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. May we live the words of that old hymn, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. What is it that you need to leave behind? Here's the second question. Where do you need to say yes to God? What do you need to leave behind and where do you need to say yes? See, when we have put our complete and total faith in God, saying yes isn't that hard because there's trust there. We know that he will always, he always has what's best in mind for us. When he tells us something, he leads us in a certain direction. He puts a decision in our path that we need to say yes to or no to. We need to respond in obedience. You see, delayed obedience is actually disobedience, right? If you tell your child to clean their room in the next hour because you have company coming and, and they don't, you go there, you know, three hours later and the room's still not cleaned and they said, oh, well, I was going to get, yeah, I said I would clean it, but I was, I'm going to clean it tomorrow. That's disobedience. If God asks you to go on a mission trip this winter or this summer, don't say okay and then live your life for a couple more years and, and then go on a mission trip. If God says he wants you to do it now, don't wait. That's disobedience. But God, I have a few things that I need to clear up, a few things that I need to do. Look, if he's asking you, right, it's the, it's the if God tells you to jump, what should we say? How high? Zechariah 4.10 says this, Who dares despise the day of small things? Since the seven eyes of the Lord that range throughout the earth will rejoice 
when they see the chosen capstone in the hand of Zerubbabel. Basically, do not despise these, begin- these small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. It may look small, but take that step. God will rejoice in you being obedient and taking that step. Craig Rochelle, not to be mixed up with Craig Goosewell, it's Grushell, said this, don't let the start stop you. Don't let the start stop you. In his book, Talking with God, Pastor Adam Weber says this, one of the clearest ways I can see if someone is growing in their relationship with God is that person's willingness to say yes to God, to big things, to small things, to weird things, to things that just don't make sense. And then he says, and particularly to those things that don't make sense or are out of one's comfort zone. That's a big excuse for us, isn't it? I'm just not comfortable with that. It seems that our default response when God asks something extraordinary from us, we get a bad case of the yes buts. Uh, a, a church did a sermon series called Losing Our Butts. Oswald Chambers, in his utmost for the highest on the devotion for May 30th, talks about saying yes to God at all times. And he says, he says, again and again, you will come right up to what Jesus wants, but every time you will turn back at the true point of testing until you are determined to abandon yourself to God in total surrender. Yet we tend to say, yes, but... but Suppose I do obey God in this matter. What, what, about, what about this? Or we say, yes, I will obey God if what he asks of me doesn't go against my common sense. But don't ask me to take a step in the dark. Oswald Chambers says, Jesus Christ demands that you risk everything you hold on to or believe through common sense and leap by faith into what he says. When I said yes to Mexico City for the summer, it was a huge step out of my comfort zone. I mean, I had lots of excuses, right? Um, My dad needs me. That was the biggest one. I love farming. Farming's what I'm going to do the rest of my life. (laughs) Nope. (laughs) I don't know Spanish. There you go. I don't know Spanish. Oh, well, they have Spanish classes for the first month you're going to be there. I was fluent in the present tense, fairly fluent in the present tense by the time I left Mexico City. I barely know enough to function now. I, know, I can ask where the bathroom is. I do still remember that one. Is there anything in your life that you need to say yes to? Do you have a sense that God is asking something of you and you've been saying, yes, but, yes, but, but, but I, I, I just don't, I don't think I, could. I look, I'm, I'd, I'd really love to serve on a leadership team at North Hills, but, but I'm not a member and I'm just not willing to take that step. Or, or, or I'd, I'd really like to help out with Awana, but you know, I just don't know the Bible good enough. I just, I just don't, I just don't think I could do that. Or, um, 
I kind of get the feeling that God wants me to share my story on a Sunday morning, but you know, I'm just, I'm just totally uncomfortable with that. I'm, I, 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 I couldn't get up, and I'm not a good speaker. Um, I, I just have to read it. I'd just be too nervous. You see, the one word that gets in the way the most of what God wants to do more than any other word, I think, is the word but. But what about? Can you imagine what we would see throughout history if biblical characters used that word more often? Imagine if Mary said, but I'm just a girl. Find someone else to give birth to the Son of God. Moses struggled with his words with with this word at times in his life, but what if he said, yeah, I'm actually pretty happy with where I'm at, and he went and got a bucket of water and dumped it on the burning bush. What if the little boy that had five loaves and three fish had said, but, but if I give up my meal, maybe I won't eat today. But, but how will I be provided for if I give this up? If David had said, but, but, but he's a giant and I'm so small. And over and over and over in the scriptures, we see people who would have missed out on amazing and crazy, life-changing experiences if they hadn't said yes to God. And, and I wonder what kind of experiences we miss out on every day when we don't say yes, when God says, I want you to do this, or, or I want you to say this. What do you need to say yes to? See, we all have no idea what hangs in the balance of a single decision. Let's trust Jesus when he calls. When the Holy Spirit uses the word of God in our life, let's follow it faithfully. Let's say yes. Let's be obedient to whatever it is that it is telling us. A, a, a way to tell people. Um, let's follow that faithfully. What are you holding on to that you need to leave behind? And what do you need to say yes to? Now, if the worship team would come up here. I have a basket here. So if you're just visiting today, you have no idea what this is. Two weeks ago, I told everyone that, that, I, that I was going to lay out this challenge and I was going to give everybody a couple weeks to, to figure out what their story is. How had Jesus impacted their life? Because we need to be ready in season and out of season to share that with somebody. And I said I was going to take a picture. Well, that Sunday I didn't, but last Sunday I did. Remember? I have these pieces of paper in here and I'm going to draw out a name. And that person's going to come up here and share their story. Okay. I'm even nervous. <laughs> okay, the name that I have here is Jason Wilhelm. All right, all of these are blank. I'm just kidding, okay? I have had several people say I would be willing to tell my story and I'm working on that with them. One person's gonna do it on video and we'll play it on a Sunday morning. Jason messaged me last week. He's like, um, God wants me to share my story. And, uh, and so I, you know, we wanted to play that a little bit up. Maybe give your parents a heart attack going, holy smokes, is, 
Is this really going to happen? So Jason's going to come up here and put his paper on this stand, and he's going to share with us this morning. Because if I don't set it on the stand, I'm not going to be able to read it. Good morning, everyone. For those of you who don't, don't know me, my name is Jason Wilhelm. Uh, I'm the oldest son of Cliff and Kathy. And I would like to start off by saying this is well outside my comfort zone. And I would not be doing this if I didn't feel a massive tug on my heart from God to share my story. Whether or not I feel is important enough to share that, and I was not going to take the chance of being called on unprepared. <laughs> my story starts off simple enough I accepted Jesus into my heart while we were going to church in Torrington around the age of 12 if I'm not mistaken which I probably am we started coming to church here at North Hills and while I absolutely loved coming to youth group every week I didn't much care for church on Sunday I didn't like dressing up in nice slacks a button-up shirt and dress shoes and I also didn't care for the singing to this day, I still believe that I have a terrible singing voice, and it is something that I am self-conscious about. I remember arguing about how I didn't want to go to church, which eventually led to me not really going at all after high school for many years. I still, believe in, I still believed in God, but I was being pulled into the lies of what living without God would provide me. Thankfully, I was and still am too shy to get into any real trouble. But a handful of years later found me having a child out of wedlock and being married to by an ordained friend of mine. We didn't have much money, but I truly believe she was the one for me. Sorry. After a few years, we lost the house to foreclosure and we had to move in with her parents for several months. Hit me hard and I thought. <laughs> After finally saving up a little money and finding a place to rent, we moved out of her parents' place. And a short year later, my wife left me. The day my wife told me she was leaving, my father came by my house. And I still remember him consoling me and offering whatever advice he could. At that time, I believed that there was still a chance to save my marriage, but I was naive. Against my father's wishes, I stayed at home by myself that night instead of staying with him. I don't remember much, but I do remember not sleeping well. If I remember right, it was the next day that Kathy asked me if I would like to join them for church the next day. When I told her I was already considering it, it was the truth. I had very few places to turn to. I'm fortunate enough to have a wonderful family and some most amazing friends a man could ask for. But my soul was gutted, and for the first time in several years, I realized that maybe God was the only one who could even bring, who could even begin to heal my pain. Apparently, the devil didn't like this idea, and that very Sunday, only a few miles outside of Torrington, on my way to Lingle, 
my pickup decided it didn't need third or fourth gear anymore, and I had to limp it the rest of the way at 45 miles an hour. Talk about being kicked while you are down. I made it here, however, and I stand here today because of it. Everything from the songs to the sermon hit me like a ton of bricks that day, and I left to go home that day knowing that I needed God's help to make it up the mountain I was about to climb. I, I came to church stuck in the swamps below that mountain and left that day with one hand firmly grasping solid rock. That was two years ago, and although I have made progress up that mountain, I still have some of that swamp with me today. To this day, I struggle with lack of self-worth on occasion, and I have come to realize that I have been battling anxiety for longer than I previously thought. I have mostly gotten rid of depression, although it likes to drop in unannounced every so often. I grew to understand and appreciate that mental health is a real thing and that it should be taken seriously. I owe a lot of my growth to God. I cannot tell you how many sermons and songs have touched my heart in such a way that I will never forget. The Seven Respectable Sins of the West was one series that really made me start thinking about my relationship with God. Not all that long ago, we were asked on Sunday to write down a, on a piece of blank paper something that was holding us back from having a closer relationship with God. Although I'm not sure I understood the assignment correctly, something that was really weighing on my heart was the fact that I still held anger in my heart over the betrayal I felt in my failed marriage. And my inability to forgive and move on because of it. I wrote down betrayal and forgiveness on that paper and nailed it to that cross right over there and on the way back to Torrington I gave that burden to God and he took it a few times after that it tried creeping back in but I prayed and turned it back over to God and every time he took it God obviously hasn't answered all of my prayers in this time frame or at least he hasn't answered them yet and I still firmly believe that he has a plan for me and that what I have gone through was a setup to something else. I just haven't figured it out yet. I still have trials and tribulations in my life, but I am far better off now than what I was just a few short years ago. I still have a long way to go in my relationship with God and a whole lot more to learn, but I am more at peace now than I have been in a long time. I was very nervous, even, even as I wrote this, at the idea of standing before a group of strangers and telling my story. After I text Pastor Dave and told him that God wanted me to share my story, I prayed and told God that I hoped he knew what he was doing <laughs> and that I would need his help with standing up here telling my story to strangers. And instantly I was reminded that you all are not strangers, but rather brothers and sisters in Christ. I laughed while still in prayer and thanked God for his help in changing my way of thinking on that. After all, if I can't stand up here and share my story with like-minded people, how can I expect myself to share my story with people who may not share my ideals and views? Amen. When we, we met the other day, we talked about uh, Romans 6.23. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. You know, we need to hang on to that just as Jason has, just as God 
just as he said, simple decision, go to church. He made that decision. He followed through with it and he went and he hasn't looked back. And, and I just wonder what, what, what decision has God put in your face this morning that he wants you to make this morning. And so as you think about that, I want us, and as we close this morning, I want us to all stand. We're going to sing two verses of this song.